What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening and hope that you are having a wonderful start to your Thursday. And of course, we're coming to you after the latest major move for the Braves when it came to trading for A's catcher Sean Murphy. And of course, in that trade, many Braves prospects went out to acquire Murphy. And there's no better one to speak with, with battery power, than Garrett Spain. You can follow him at Braves, um, MILB, one of the best minds when it comes to Braves prospects out there. Garrett has been kind enough to join us. Garrett, how are you doing this evening, sir? I am doing great. I'm glad to be on the show, get a chance to talk about this. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. This is the first time Garrett and I have spoken. You know, a lot of times I would speak with with Eric Cole, and of course, you know, Eric has taken on a new opportunity. Wish him nothing but the best. Always enjoyed talking with Eric. But uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity to speak with you. Have enjoyed your coverage for years when it comes to Braves prospects. And, you know, we, we, we always talk about what these prospects can do for the Braves, in time, but this is a reminder that the Braves' consistent ability to, at the very least, develop intriguing talents. It also helps out with them being able to make trades, even when you may not expect for them to be able to do it. And, and Garrett, just when it comes to your initial reaction to this trade, did that kind of play into it? Did it kind of play into how creative the Braves were able to be, kind of a quantity over quality approach to, despite having one of the worst farm systems? In the majors now, with you know Michael Harris and Strider and others in the majors, the Braves came into this offseason with one of the you know lowest talented, I guess, minor league systems in the majors. But yet, we're still able to pull off this trade. Is that kind of what surprised you in your initial reaction? Just your initial reaction overall. I mean, overall, I don't think that I don't know that there is a package of prospects for the Braves that really would have been too terrible to lose. There's not a ton of guys in the system that are instrumental necessarily in the future of the team but i do think that overall it's overall the system is a little bit better than we kind of make it out to be and the the package is legitimately good i think ultimately though there's really nobody in there for me that i project with the team long term kyle muller freddie tarnock are both very good prospects very good pitching prospects guys that are on the precipice of the major league level but there are so many fifth starter options for the Braves and neither of those, those guys have taken that step to really look like they were going to prove it and take over that role. And I think that they were both guys that were fairly likely to get moved fairly soon. And they clear up 40 man spots. Um, the other guys are kind of Jaeger. Justin Jaeger is kind of a throw in there guy. I like the arm, but he's more of a throw in. And then Salinas is probably the guy in terms of the future of the team that is the biggest impact that's a guy that could have been a really good late inning arm he could have you know if his commands improved he could have been a 
starter for the team down the road. I mean, that's a guy that had legitimate talent. And even though he wasn't the best among the prospects, he did have a chance to contribute to the Rays, I think more so than Muller and Tarnock did. But I don't think that any of these guys are guys that are hard for the Braves to replace. And I think that having a lot of depth at the upper levels of the minor league system and having guys at basically every single position filled at the major level kind of helps that they can pretty much pick and choose anybody from the minor league system and move them and not really feel too bad about it. So Garrett, you bring up a lot of great points, you know, discussing the fact that the Braves, even if rankings wise in the industry, they may not be that high. And it makes sense with how many guys have graduated as you know, over the past few years, but the Braves always seem to be able to develop talent. And with such a young roster at the major league level, their talent in the upper minors is not needed to fill a lot of holes. So that talent that they develop in the high minors, it's more going to be used probably as trade opportunities. And that seems to be a luxury of this team. Their ability to develop for a lot of teams, it's meant to fill holes for you know the major league team itself. But for the Braves over the next few years, their ability to develop talent could really allow for them to continue to get guys they want via trade, with this being a great example. Correct? Yeah. Right. And and I think I think the Braves have a handful of guys in the system really every single year that they're like, OK, these are the guys that we're developing. And the rest of the guys are kind of lottery tickets like Mueller, uh, really even like Contreras was uh, where he was more of a lottery ticket for the team. And then they had their handful of guys that we hear about early on. And we heard about this from Michael Harris, where they were saying basically from day one with a guy like Michael Harris, this is our future. We know this guy is good we're holding on to this guy. And there are a handful of guys in the system that they feel strongly about. I think Grissom is one of those, even though they may be more willing to move him. But overall, it's a team. It They're very good at kind of identifying the guys in their system that they know can contribute to the team long-term and being willing to move and shop other guys. And we've heard a lot of names. We've seen even in past trades like last year where – you know, the Matt Olson trade, for example, people were shocked that they were giving up Langoliers and Pache. And then you have Contreras and Harris come up the next year and make it look like neither of those players ever mattered. And and so I think that's what the Braves have been best at is kind of identifying the talent within their system that can contribute at the major league level and not being afraid to move on the, from the guys that aren't. Absolutely. And, and to your point, you know, two years ago, we were talking about the Braves perhaps having, you know, one of the better combinations of young catchers in the majors and, and are in the minors. And now neither one of them are in the system, but one was used to replace franchise le- legend Freddie Freeman with a great talent in Matt Olson. The other was used as a way to get a top three catcher in the game. So that, again, shows the Braves' ability to be able to develop, even when you may not expect it really stands out. But before we get into the prospects that were actually traded, Garrett, let's talk about the main piece that went out, William Contreras. Obviously, I'll be honest, it wasn't too much fun seeing him, you know, be traded, but to get a talent like Murphy, it makes sense. The bat certainly played better last year than many expected. But the Braves obviously put a high emphasis on the defensive ability, the way to manage a pitching staff for a catcher. Just how much do you think there is when it comes to William Contreras? Do you feel there still are levels up for his hitting? Or as he progresses, is last year kind of the player we can expect him to be with an average defense kind of as a ceiling as a catcher? I think with Contreras, it's he's a bit interesting because he had – he had a great season, but it's very hard to produce 
at that level long-term really for anybody, especially for guys as young as he is. He does have holes in his game in terms of his approach overall, but he's also a guy that we've seen at the lower minor league levels that despite having a big swing, despite really swinging for the fences was a guy that consistently made a lot of contact, drew a lot of walks. And we haven't seen that game, that game as much for him at the major league level. So this is a guy that I don't necessarily, I, the Braves just didn't trust him defensively, but he is a guy that he there is room for him to improve in terms of things that we've seen from him in, his, in the past in terms of his hitting ability. He was a guy that from the time he was about 19, we as a group went, this is the guy that we think is going to be the catcher in the future. And unfortunately, the defense has never developed for him, but we knew the hitting ability was there and he's continued to show that. Uh, how consistent that is going forward is going to determine his overall value. He could ultimately end up being the best player in this deal. He's very clearly the second best player in this deal. And it's not a stretch to say that if he takes another step with his approach, he could end up being overall more valuable than Sean Murphy. The question is, does he necessarily fit with the Braves' plans long-term? And I don't know that that's the case. Um, I think what we saw last year, it's hard to expect a guy to improve too much on that. I could see it from him. I could see him regressing with his approach and being even worse because there were times, especially towards the end of the year, that he did struggle. Uh, but he's also a guy that has all the talent in the world and could ultimately be a very good player, especially if, you know, in Milwaukee, he will presumably get a chance to catch every day and we will see more of that defensive development from him. And he could end up being a really good piece for them as well. I, I It's hard. To, he's a guy that we I've watched for so long. And so it's hard to lose him from that perspective. And from a talent perspective, it's hard to lose him. But I do think that for the next at least two or three years, the Braves made an upgrade. But he could be a guy that a couple of years from now, I think we're still going to be looking at as a guy that we're going, man, I wish we still had that guy. Even as much as we like Sean Murphy, we're probably still going to be looking at it and going, man, it'd be really nice to also still have William Contreras. And that's the thing when, and I, I, again, you bring up a great point. That's the thing when it comes to these trades is that for you to, even with the Braves having, you know, one of the best stable of catchers at the major league level before they made this trade, we know from Alex Anthopoulos's past, he puts a lot of emphasis on a catcher that can play defense well, that can handle the pitching staff well, that can provide offense. You know, we've seen how he's gone after Russell Martin, Travis Darno, and others in the past. And I don't think it's a knock on William Contreras. I just think where the Braves are, it was an opportunity for them to upgrade from Contreras to Murphy in the short-term, you know, future, perhaps long-term future as well. But at the end of the day, it seems, you know, after talking with you kind of, you know, off the podcast, there really wasn't anything else of major value given up. So to go from Contreras to Murphy, quantity-wise, it may seem like a bit of an overpay, but the Braves could were they had the ability to give up these players. None of them really were going to add value to the major league team. So it allowed for them to make a major up to make an upgrade at a position that Alex Anthopoulos really values. I think that's the perspective to enjoy, even if it's hard to see Contreras go. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. I think it's really just a matter of organizational philosophy at this point. They've shown that they value defense behind the plate. And as much as it hurts to see Contreras go, and that's a deal that may hurt us four years from now, the Braves are looking to win championships now. And I think that Murphy clearly makes them more competitive for a World Series and a division next year. I think that's the major point. You're in your window and they have to do whatever it they can to 
compete as much as possible within that window. And in my opinion, they made a move that makes them more competitive in their window, even if it may four years from now be they're in a slightly worse position or even a much worse position if Sean Murphy leaves in free agency than they are now. I, I think that's kind of where we are, where they're just trying to, while they have this young controlled core, just go ahead and bust the door down and try to win a couple more. I mean, what do you think about that? Absolutely. And it makes perfect sense. You, you, you put yourself in a great position. You, you know, it's a situation, you know, to be honest with you, Garrett, where again, when you look at the value, when you stack up the value in a vacuum, maybe the Braves paid overpaid a bit, right? And the Brewers may have, you know, came away with the better value, but the Braves are in position where if you get a guy, especially if it's the best player in the draft right now or in the trade right now, if you get that guy, it's okay to lose a trade, right? It's okay to overpay a bit, especially when you know where you overpaid, you can make up for by developing guys in the near future. But what you're gaining, what you're gaining with Sean Murphy is definitely worth it. So Garrett, let's shift a bit here. Let's talk a bit more about the actual prospects that are now in Oakland and Milwaukee. And we'll start with the starting prospects, you know, Freddie Tarnock, as well as Kyle Muller. I know many Braves fans over the past few years have kind of really been intrigued by Kyle Muller as, as other arms have graduated, been traded away. His move up the ranks, he was the number one prospect this offseason. He really stood out at times last year. I know that he had the broken hand. It kind of, you know, threw him off from the success he was having in the minor leagues. But he did show some, you know, decent stuff in the majors, though it was hard to really trust his consistency I think that there is a major league starter there in some way shape or form but in your opinion when it comes to Kyle Muller is he really the best prospect is he the biggest loss besides Contreras in this deal and how big is he of a loss for the Braves I think that he's clearly the best prospect in this deal uh, I don't think that any of the other guys Tarnock may be reasonably close but I think Muller is talent wise current production wise Major League readiness-wise, it's just better than everybody else. I think where the issue stands is Mueller was not going to get an opportunity with the Braves. I think that a guy like Bryce Elder, they trust him more. I think they would probably trust a veteran starter more than him. And so they were stuck in a position where he had a great season last year. His value is high. What do you do with this guy? Do you take a chance and put him in the Major League rotation and see what happens? Or do you try to get value for him now? And I think they were in a position where both for the Braves and for him, his best value was move on. And now he gets an opportunity to start at the major level somewhere where I don't think that was going to happen for the Braves. And that was the next logical step. He was too good to still be at AAA. Uh, he dominated AAA hitters pretty much all season. And the next step is to give him 15, 20 starts at the major league level and see what he can do. And Oakland has the ability to let him do that. Whereas the Braves just, if he struggled for three starts, he was going back to the minor leagues, and I don't think that was productive for his future. Uh, so he's definitely a loss in terms of talent, but I don't know if, again, he's a guy that was going to get the best possible opportunity with this organization. I think he has more value to the athletics than he does to the Braves, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, Tarnock is a guy that I personally really like, and I think that he has a great mix of pitches and has a good chance to be a starter, great athlete, great arm. He's just very inconsistent. And it's kind of the situation with same situation, situation with Mueller where he's behind a lot of guys and the Braves weren't going to give him that, that opportunity. Now I think that Tarnock has a little more time to develop, but 
the question with him is, is he worth the 40-man roster spot to the Braves? I don't know that he is. And with the Braves having really a number of guys at the AAA level still, uh, Bryce Elder, Mike Soroka, Darius Fines, Dylan Dodd, these are all guys that could come in contribute next season. And now the Braves, they're really, there weren't even enough AAA roster spots for all of these guys. And the Braves kind of cleared a bit of a logjam and got value in return for two players that both of them have major league starting potential. I think that Muller is the more likely to be a starter simply because he's had success at the AAA level. But I also think that Tarnock could very well start and he's going to have more of an opportunity to do that with Oakland. Whereas that just wasn't going to happen in Atlanta. And I'm really for those two specifically, they seem to be good guys, guys that we like a lot. And I'm really happy that they're going to get an opportunity now to succeed for an organization and really, Ha- really, really have that opportunity to shine at the major league level. Absolutely. And we've seen this before for the Braves. You know, they've used some other arms to go get relievers. They they traded um, uh, Bryce um, Bryce Wilson to the Pirates for relief help. They traded, um, you know, Colby Allard, who they, who they got back this offseason, but they traded him back in 2019 for Chris Martin. This time around, they traded, you know, their starting pitching depth for catcher help. So, you know, they were, they're able to develop arms. And, and I agree with you, you know, Kyle Muller was, it was a lot of fun. Just, he, he's a big dude. He's definitely a big dude as well. Um, and so it, 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 but I do agree with you. It seems like that for Tarnock or Muller to really be able to, reach their ceiling sooner rather than later they just need to have the confidence in knowing that even if they mess up they're going to still be able to go out there and, and get it done and so that's what's going to allow for them to hopefully you know find some opportunity in Oakland but of course those weren't the only two arms that went in this deal you also saw Roy Roy Salinas and forgive me if I'm saying his last name wrong but a very intriguing reliever as well as Justin Yeager. Um, I, I know that these are more relief arms potentially. Salinas may have starter upside, but but beginning with him, there is some highly intriguing. I believe I saw 175 strikeouts in 109 innings in 2022. Really intriguing arm, but still you know, not only that, bit far away from. Uh, the major league level, and I'm sure though the strikeouts are impressive, control and things like that are still things to develop. But just any intrigue as far as those arms, and you know, we love, we know Alex Anthopoulos loves his relievers. Is it hard to see the relief potential in those two guys parted with in this trade? Alex Anthopoulos has moved on from a lot of relievers in the past, even guys that they've liked, and so I don't. I don't think there's too much value in minor league relievers in general, just because there's so much, um, they're just so volatile. And you saw a guy last year, they traded. Um, I can't, I cannot remember his name. Um, Casey Kalick, they traded him for Jorge Soler. I mean, they've traded these guys in the past for help at the major level. I don't think that there's a ton of value in minor league relievers. And so they don't um, care too much to give them up. Um, Jaeger is a guy that there's a ton of talent there. I mean, he can hit hundred miles per hour, has a great uh, slider, but he, his command is among the worst in the system. And even though he had some success, it's hard to see him getting to the major league level when with control, just as bad as it is. Salinas is more interesting. He is a starter right now. I assume he will be continue to be developed as a starter, but he's a guy that's coming up on Rule 5 eligibility, so will be at, have to be added to a 40-man fairly soon. Um, he's a guy that has a lot of effort to his delivery. He's kind. He's not the most athletic guy. He's a bigger guy. He 
has a command issues. And so there's a lot of red flags for him to stay in the rotation, but pure talent wise, I mean, there's a ton of upside there. And if you're looking at the top relief prospects that the Braves have had in recent years, AJ Minter is number one, very clearly. And then right behind him, Salinas and Victor Vodnik are the ne- really the next two guys in terms of guys that could throw in the upper 90s, wipe out stuff with their off-speed pitches. I mean, Salinas is a guy that he will make it to the major level. Now, what his role is will ultimately be, term- be determined by his command because it's fairly poor right now. But when he's throwing strikes, no one at the lower levels can hit him. He's His fastball is as good as anybody but Spencer Strider. Right, like he's a step below Spencer Strider, but at that level, it's still a double plus fastball, and he's going to get a ton of swings and misses with that pitch. And then he mixes in a plus slider. It's a great, great mix of pitches. It's just I don't think it's enough with his command issues, with his delivery for him to start long term. But it's a guy that I think will pitch at the management level and has a good chance, even as a reliever, to be an impact arm. That said, I mean, it's just you don't worry. Again, you just don't worry too much about relief arms because an elbow can blow out on these guys the next day and they're nothing. And unfortunately, that's just the nature of the game with relievers that, you know, once they go, they can go very quickly. And there's not really a ton of upside. Even the best relievers are only going to produce so much in limited amount of innings. And so losing them as prospects is not something that you worry about too much at least not for me and it doesn't seem like the organization differs in that opinion what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape this is scott galloway host of the prop g podcast and an entrepreneur myself right now we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship we're answering your questions on work-life balance how to raise capital for your business and more Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll actually go a bit off the the discussion here just for a second, because I'd love to get your opinion on this. You know, we've seen the Braves... You know, I know that they went and got Owen Murphy. I believe Jared Schuster. I know that he can throw in the mid-90s, I believe, but he's got some good off-speed stuff. I know that they enjoy, you know, the um, uh, spin that, that that's on the ball at times when it comes to curveballs and things like that. The I can't think of the guy's name, the pitcher that they didn't sign that eventually went to Japan, had a very good curveball as well. So they, they've shown that they like that. But it seems like that as we go further in the draft, Garrett, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Braves also put a high emphasis on power arms because they're confident in their ability to develop those talents. And that's what it is right now when it comes to the major league level. It's getting power arms that can miss bats. So even if those power arms may not necessarily you know, add benefit to Atlanta, the Braves feel confident they can develop them to make them intriguing potential pieces in trades. Have you seen that shift in recent years where the Braves have really focused on the high-velocity type of arms, but also they've shown confidence in their ability to develop those type of arms where they could either, you know, like Strider, help them out in Atlanta, or potentially be used in trades. Has that kind of been, you know, that's not necessarily a philosophy shift, but a, a, a strength of this Braves minor league system in recent drafts. It, it's, they basically kind of told us point blank that 
they have specific pitch metrics that they're looking for in terms of spin, in terms of um, the angle of movement, and in terms of velocity that they're looking with it at with pitchers, especially higher in the draft. Schuster was a bit of an um, outlier because his command, I mean, his velocity regressed after he came into the professional level. But really, if you look at their high-level picks in recent years, uh, Ryan Cusick, Spencer Schwellenbach, who has been injured, um, even, um, AJ Smith-Shaver they gave a lot of money to, Owen Murphy, these are all guys that throw hard have high spin and they like those guys and they like taking chances on those guys. They think that like with Spencer Strider, they can teach them those power sliders and they think that these guys are good enough where there's a much lower floor with these guys where even if they don't necessarily develop, we see it with a guy like Strider. If you have two amazing pitches, you can still survive as a starter and you don't have to, you know, with the arms that don't throw as hard, you have to, they have to be fine with their command. They have to have three pitches. They have to do all of these different things. Whereas if a guy throws hard enough, they can kind of just let it rip and survive often enough. And the Braves really do value those players. And when they see guys that have specific metrics on their pitches, they want those players and they target those players very hard. Um, and they've done a very good job of developing those players. Um now, where you see the struggle is that they've struggled to develop command with a lot of these guys. And that's really where their issue is as an organization is not a lot of their guys have great command. But in terms of they believe they believe as an organization that their best chance of success is getting a guy with a great arm with great stuff and kind of just hoping it works out. And they've it seems like that philosophy has worked out for them. Absolutely. It always seems like they have arms and layers of arms. We're looking for Soroka and Anderson to hopefully get back in in better position in 2023. I think Sean Murphy helps out with that. But now that you see, um, you know, Muller and and, and Tarnick, you know, moving on to Oakland, this kind of shifts our conversation to, you know, who now in the Braves minor league system, Garrett, can take advantage of the opportunities that could be there to really stand out. I know that there are some intriguing pitchers still, Darius Bynes, Jared Schuster, um, and others, Owen Murphy, obviously. But, you know, of the arms that the Braves have that we know of, is there an arm out there that you really, you know, value more than others? And is there an arm at this point in time we've not really heard of as of yet that now because you've seen a lot of prospects traded over the past year or so, could really take advantage of moving up those prospect ranks. Just your favorite arm in the system, and, and I guess an arm that kind of may be under the radar that people will get to know in the months ahead. Well, I can pretty much go through a list of arms, but I think the best arm in the system for me, uh, Baseball America agrees with me, and pretty much at this point a lot of people agree is uh, A.J. Smith-Shover. Now, he had an injury issue at the end of the year. He's still at A-ball. There's a lot of rawness to his command, but he's a guy that fits the brace. Power slider. Upper 90s fastball, high spin, throws a great changeup, has all of the mental makeup, just a guy that the organization raves about, scouts rave about. Everything you see from this guy is that he's really the top prospect in the system. And of all the players that I've said this before, you know, on Twitter or whatever, and privately that of all the players that the Braves have in the system, he is the one player that I look at and say, don't trade him. He's really that type of talent where it, if he reaches his potential, it does not matter what's at the major league level, he will get a spot. 
he's a guy that I think if he's healthy next year is probably going to sneak into the top 100 and might get in there fairly safely. Um, beyond him, it's kind of a bunch of guys like Darius Vines where they're really a little bit kind of mid-tier prospects. I think Owen Murphy's a great guy, one of the better curveballs I've seen in the system. But the guy that they really like is Spencer Schwellenbach. Um, he was drafted in 2021 in the second round. He was going to be their first round pick uh, until some elbow issues propped up um, into the um, into their pre-draft physical with him. And so he dropped into the second round, but he's a guy that he didn't get much time in college to pitch. He mostly pitches a reliever, but they think that he's got an upper 90s fastball. Great spin like Spencer Strider. He throws a good slider, and they think that he's going to come back healthy next year. He's going to get a full season. They think he's a guy that can really kind of change the system and really move up quickly and that's a guy that will probably be the guy that's most intriguing to watch next year because in terms of pure talent he can do he's fairly close to Spencer Strider you know the fastball isn't maybe quite as good as that but that's a guy that can really impact a team as well um, I think the guy that's most likely to make an impact next year though is Darius Vines he has he's on the 40-man roster so he's pretty much right there ready to go if they need him but the dark horse that could take the role that Dylan Dodd is I mean I'm well I just spoiled it the role that Muller was in is Dylan Dodd um that's a left-handed arm that mid-90s fastball a ton of spin they love to spin a lot of teams love the guy that's a guy that could you could see actually in trades going forward because a lot of teams really like Dylan Dodd but great fastball a lot of deception throws a great changeup. Uh, mixes in a slider he's really the only player in the system that has three traits that you're looking for which is an above average fastball two good at off speed pitches and command he does all of those three things well and so that's a guy that may be a dark horse to make the rotation kind of like Bryce Elder was last year he could be a dark horse to make the rotation either out of camp or in the first two weeks if they need help in the fifth spot and he's a guy that I really like and I think the organization really likes and he's a guy that He's either going to make a run at the rotation fairly soon, or he's going to make a run at being a pretty key trade piece. So Dylan Dodd is definitely a name to, to watch. And then, of course, you know, at Darius Bonds, you know, and the others that you had mentioned. Um, but let's go to what I think is a, more of a fun discussion, maybe because there's just not as clear amount of, you know, I won't say in, not intriguing talents, but just not known as much as the Braves aren't because over the past few years, we've really seen the Braves focus on pitching early in drafts. And I know that when I spoke with Eric Cole several months ago, he, when I talked with him about the most intriguing bats that are there, it was a lot of lower level guys. We've also seen a lot of position players either traded or graduated here recently. I'll start with this though, Garrett, you know, I'm not sure if you've been able to give, you know, your, your, your opinion on Justin Henry Malloy, who was used to, in the trade with Detroit to go get Joe Jimenez. I know the Braves talked about there really wasn't a position for him to contribute at the major league level. I think that there was a lot of potential there with him, especially when it came to plate discipline, kind of like Vaughn Grissom. But just overall, your thoughts on him and you know potentially being able to have a much better opportunity to contribute at the major league level next year in Detroit. Yeah, I think Malloy's an interesting guy in terms of a lot of times the Braves draft guys that can hit and they just hope they grow into power and learn how to play defense. Von Christmas is an example of a guy that they did in that form. Malloy never really was going to learn to play defense. He couldn't really play third base. He really couldn't play left field either. And so it was a situation where is he good enough to be a DH? 
that's a question mark. I don't doubt that he can hit. I don't doubt that he can get on base. But the issue with Malloy is I don't think that he fits the organizational philosophy. Um, he's very contact first. You, you even see with Von Grissom, he's contact first, but there's still a lot of power there. He hits for a lot of raw power. You can see him going for home runs in games. Malloy has a very short swing. He's very line drive oriented. He is simply there to get as many hits as possible, get on base. He's very, very strong. Don't get me wrong. He's a guy that there is raw power there, and he can really get into a ball when he hits it. But the way his swing is geared, he doesn't that often. And so I don't think that he's a player that the Braves look at and say, this fits what we want to do as a team. The Braves have very clearly targeted power bats, guys that they think that their approach and their um and their philosophy as a hitting as a team can help them improve and hit better and do all of that with these major league talents. The Braves, I don't think, see that with Malloy because he's just not he's built to be a power hitter, but he doesn't approach the game to be a power hitter. And it's tough to for them to just take a guy completely out of their organizational philosophy, bring him in and teach him something. You know, you're now teaching one guy something completely different. Uh, and so because he doesn't really fit with the team, I think it's tough for me because I don't think it was a good trade. I mean, you're looking at a guy that was really the best hitting prospect in the system left. And even though that's not necessarily a high bar to clear, guys that can hit are valuable. And teams look for guys that can hit. And going out just to get a relief, a relief arm, you know, it's the way – you know, if you look at it the way we look at the Sean Murphy trade – Yes, it makes the team better now, but you're kind of looking at a rental arm that there's a high variance there where Jimenez could not be very good. And Malloy, we, I think he can hit. And I think that that's a guy that's going to hit above average at the major league level. And it's not that hard to be an above average major league left fielder, you know, and if you can hit, it's not that hard to really play good enough defense to be a civil left fielder. And so it's kind of tough because he did look like a guy that could fill the main need in the, on the major league roster, which is left field. But I mean, the Braves obviously seem to think he didn't either didn't fit the organizational philosophy or that they were selling high on him, which granted they are selling high on him. And so that's something to say. They have a good track record of selling on guys. You look at guys like Langoliers, Pache, Drew Waters. Those are guys that they sold on and, and especially in the case of um, a guy like Pache, they made the right decision. They got him when the value was fairly high, and that could be a situation where they kind of see the writing on the wall and want to get the value for him while he's still there. But I don't love the trade. I like Malloy a lot. I think that he's a great hitter, and it's a shame that he's not going to be in the system because I do think that he's a guy that could have contributed for the Braves. Yeah, there, there was, and, and and there seemed to be, you know, kind of like in in Von Grissom, there seemed to be a good approach at the plate. But I do understand, you know, especially with you know the Braves have consistently had one of the more power balanced or more consistent power lineups, you know, out there over the past few years. So if you're not a guy in the system that can really contribute that power, you know, your your long term future may not be there, which kind of contradicts the fact that they traded away William Contreras. But it depends on where players may potentially wind up that also contributes to whether or not they have a long-term future in Atlanta. So that's where my you know question goes, Garrett, is when it comes to position prospects, you know, when we look at the top 10 over, you know, different places of Braves prospects, you've got some middle infielders, Braden Shoemake, Cal Conley, others. I know we talked about Cal Conley with Malloy in the Arizona Fall League, but 
if the Braves are an organization that obviously, you know, emphasizes power in terms of their hitting approach, a couple of guys, and, and they may be at the lower minor league level, but a couple of guys who aren't that talked about that with there being such an open opportunity at the position player level in the minor leagues for some names to step up, who are a couple of guys that, you know, Braves fans can really start to track and look forward to watching over the next few years as they potentially could to develop in some of the Braves better hitting prospects. Yeah, it's a tough position for the Braves because really they've done such a good job of developing their top bats that they're either have been traded in the case of Langoliers or they're at the major league level contributing. Um, so everybody is at a ball or lower. Um, David McCabe is probably the closest to the major league level. He was the fourth round pick last year out of Charlotte. Um, he can really hit. He can hit for a lot of power. He's a guy that defense is a question. He may ultimately be a DH. He's probably a first baseman, which we already know is filled for a long time with the Braves system. So maybe he's also trade bait going forward, but there's a lot of power there. Very big body, good approach. We still have a little bit of a question. He never really faced high-level pitching in college, so it's a question of how he's going to handle that. But he looked good last year in a short time in Augusta, and he's a guy that probably does a lot like Malloy, where he'll start out at Rome, and you could really see him go through the system fast because that's a guy with an advanced approach who can hit the end. Unlike Malloy, it seems like he can hit the ball a long way. Um, the next guy in the system really is Ambior Severus. That's a big power guy. The question is whether he sticks at shortstop. Probably doesn't stick at shortstop, but there's a chance there at least. He can hit. He can hit for power, but he hasn't really played much. He's been in the system a couple of years. He had COVID kind of interrupted him, and then he didn't really play much this year because he was hurt. And when he did play, he didn't play very well. And so that's kind of the best international prospect they've signed in a while, but he hasn't done all that much yet so he's a long way away and a guy that you can't put too much hope in that guy but there's a ton of talent there and if you're talking about the guy that could be the next top prospect in the system he's probably the most likely just because that's there's that much talent in that bat um, and then another guy that is not a power hitter but is probably my favorite um, hitting prospect, even though I'm not sure he's the best hitting prospect in the system, is Nacho Alvarez. He was a fifth-round pick this year out of a junior college in California. We knew nothing about him going to the draft, really nothing. All we heard was, this guy's a really good defender. Um, 19 years old, great defender at third base, actually played some shortstop in his debut, looked good there. But, uh, I mean, if you're talking about approach, he makes, I mean, he makes contact consistently great line drop contact hits the ball hard draws more walks than strikeouts and the guy's only 19 and he's hitting that well for basically i mean they basically got him for nothing in the fifth round and he's a fantastic hitter fantastic defender big strong guy but the swing is kind of like Malloy in that it's line drive ground ball base there's not a ton of power focus for him at this point we believe that he can hit for that power in terms of it being there with his natural strength but it hasn't showed it yet but again you're looking at a guy that's 19 years old there's time for him to develop von grissom looked the same way at the same age where you know you saw the flashes of it with the raw power but it was more draw walks hit line drives you know played you know learning defense and then the power just came as he developed and so i think nacho alvarez is the guy that we're really looking at 
next year to make that next step and really get himself into a lot of conversations because that's a guy that he'll be 20 going into next year. And I think he'll probably start at high A, could end up at double A next year at the age of 20. And really not a lot of guys do that except for top draft prospects. And he really has all the potential in the world. Uh, and then, and then I don't necessarily say under the radar, the guy that the best raw power in the system goes to Jesse Franklin. He's hit balls in places that I've never seen another batter hit balls before. I just insane raw power. I uh, didn't hit much at a, at high a, a couple years ago, got hurt very early in season at double a. So uh, he's an interesting prospect, ton of power, but we'll just kind of have to see if he can stay healthy and ever hit the ball. But in terms of pure power, there's not a lot better in the system. So a few names there, you know, obviously, you know, track Jesse Franklin, I know fellow, a member of the Battery Power podcast, uh, Brad Rowland, wants to hear Jesse Franklin's names as much as possible with his uh, University of Michigan roots. But um, some intriguing names there to certainly uh, watch out for. And, and Garrett, this is this has been a lot of fun and, and very insightful. That's the reason why I look so much forward to getting to talk with you. You know, it's all about you know when you're a team that is clearly going for the now in a trade, you're you're getting the best player. It's all about that player. Right. But I, I feel like, you know, especially with, you know, how much Braves fans love the minors and, you know, are so, you know, intertwined with knowledge of the Braves, not only at the major league level, at the minor league level, it's always interesting to get the perspective of what you gave up. And even if the Braves had the luxury of doing it, it does seem as if that they did give up, you know, a, a real amount of talent. But the way that they've been able to develop talent here recently definitely should allow for them to get some of the names you mentioned in place to be some intriguing prospects moving forward. Garrett, do you have anything coming up? I know that there's been a few mock drafts out there. Um, you know, with the uh, you know first ever um, MLB draft lottery that just happened. Just some things you've got going on that folks can definitely focus on who enjoy prospects. They can focus on your great work this offseason. Well, I know we don't have any major projects planned, but we're creeping up. You know, you should see sometime in the middle of January, end of January, we'll get into our top 30 list. Uh, we unfortunately were not able to do a mid-season list this year just because the draft was so late in the year. It was kind of a weird scheduling thing, but we're going to have our top 30 list going out this spring. And it's going to look a lot different than it did last year, losing um, Spencer Strider, losing Michael Harris, losing Von Grissom. It's going to look a lot different, but – there's a lot of new names in this system that you're going to see there. And we're going to get a lot of chance to talk about those guys. And then really going into next season, this last draft looks like it's been great. And I think that Braves fans, I think that this is the start. I think that this is the worst the system's going to be uh, from here. I see the system going up because they've made a lot of really great draft decisions. And a lot of guys that I think are going to really come into their own next year. That's very encouraging to hear. His name is Garrett Spain. You can follow him at Braves MILB on Twitter. And the great thing about Garrett is, is that it's not just, you know, one or two tweets a week. It is a daily breakdown of not only action that happens during the minor league season, but great insight when it comes to situations such as this, who the Braves gave up. If the Braves were to get prospects in a trade, Garrett is one of the best to, to follow to be able to get all the insight on it. So, Garrett, can't thank you enough for joining us. Thanks for taking the time to uh, provide your great insight. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a blast. I, I'm, I hope we can do this again in the future. I'm always around to do this, and I'm uh, glad to be on and be able to talk a little bit of Braves. It's been a little bit of a – it's always a slow off season for the prospect guys. So we don't usually have a whole lot going on, so it's good to get on and get to talk about it. 
Well, and of course, we also want to certainly recognize Garrett, who, yes, while it may be a bit slow, Garrett's taken on new opportunities. Of course, Eric Cole, who was tremendous, you know, taking on new opportunities elsewhere there. Garrett now leads the minor league coverage efforts for the BatteryPower.com website. Obviously, he'll be giving his insight in written and verbal form as the offseason and season goes along. Again, you can find him at Braves MILB. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Make sure you follow the Battery Power podcast, Daily Hammer podcast, podcast to be named later, and all the great podcast content. Wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. For Garrett Spain, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.